Hey everyone, we are here, we are live, we are ready to go. Thank you for joining me today, New Hope Radio. So important to spend this time together every Monday through Friday right here on this fine station. We're in a series entitled, Jesus said what? (laughs) You know, he, he says some things. He says some things sometimes that are rather kind of make you raise your eyebrows at what? He really said that? Oh, we're, we're going to see he said one today, man. Wow. You can say, wow, I can't believe he said that. This is one of those things Jesus said where you say, Jesus said what? I can't believe he said that. By the way, New Hope Radio does now have an email address if you want to Get info on the Hope Club, the Hope Club podcast, the Hope Club devotional, uh, New Hope Radio YouTube channel. It's newhoperadio7 at gmail.com. Newhoperadio, the number seven, at gmail.com. You can contact us if you want to find out about the Hope Club devotionals. How do I get them? The Hope Club podcast, where do I find it? How about the YouTube channel where you can catch New Hope Radio? All those things are at the website, newhoperadio7 at gmail.com. Okay, let's get right into it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 16. We're introduced to a man, we're going to call him the shrewd steward. Or the shrewd manager. Okay? Okay. Some translations call him the unjust steward. But it, it, he was more shrewd. Oh, he was a shrewdy. You know, Jesus is going to commend his shrewdiness. You know that? Let's see how that works. Now, when I tell this story, you really have to be a sharp listener in order to understand what Jesus is saying in this one. Because it's easy to take Jesus the wrong way. Now, wait we, We never want to do that. We never want to take the Lord the wrong way. So let's pick it up. Where are we? Luke 16 and verse 1. Here's what Jesus said. There was a rich man who had a manager. And this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. Ah. Now, like I said, the manager in some translations, he's also called a steward. He's somebody in charge of running his master's estate. And he's like squandering the money. He's not doing a good job. Unfortunately, like some people who are put in charge of people's estates, this man was an embezzler. People do that, you know. They embezzle money from people they work for, and the money doesn't belong to them, but they make it theirs. That's embezzling. A, pro, a polite word for embezzle would be the word misappropriate. Oh, he misappropriated the funds. A more direct word would be <laughs> he robbed the till. Yeah, that's more like it. A rich manager, a rich guy had a manager, and the manager robbed the till. That's what's going on here. So his boss said to him, I want to see your books. In verse 2, he called him and he said, What is this I hear about you? 
Give an accounting of your management. Because you're fired. You can no longer be the manager. Now, this manager, this steward, he had an uh uh-oh moment. (laughs) Did you ever have one like that? Did you ever have an uh uh-oh moment? Like when you left your keys in the car? Uh Uh-oh. I was driving to work the other day, and I was about, I don't know, half a mile away, and I left my phone home. Uh Uh-oh. Got to turn around, go back, get my phone. How about when you said something under your breath and the unintended person heard it? (laughs) That's a big uh uh-oh. How about when you arrived at the event, wherever you were going, and you saw this big stain on your shirt? That's a uh uh-oh. So, you know, we all have these uh uh-oh moments. Well, this steward, he's going to have an uh uh-oh moment of his life. Verse 3, he is a shrewdy. Oh, yeah. The manager said to himself, hmm, what shall I do? Since my master, he's, he's going to fire me. He's taking the management position away from me. Oh, man, I need a plan. He said, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. So he needs a plan. He's too weak to work. He doesn't want to go out and do physical labor. He doesn't want to beg. He's above that. He doesn't want to be out of work, so he needs a plan. Oh, verse 4. I know what I'll do, he said, so that when I'm removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. He's, he's like, I'm going to go make some friends with people that can help me when I'm in need. That's what he's thinking. How do you think he does it? Well, we are going to see in a minute. So he sees the writing on the wall. And he goes to work with his scheming plan. That's what I call it. A scheming plan. Oh, he's a schemer. He's a real schemer. Verse 5. He summoned each one of his master's debtors. He went and he found all the guys that owed his master something. And he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. He said, well, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Oh, I'm going to cut your bill in half. You know the interesting thing? The guy that owed the, owed the oil, he didn't ask any questions. It wasn't like, oh, why are you doing this? He said, okay. He cut my bill in half. Sounds good to me. The debts that are owed to the man, to the boss, seem to be more in the, more in the line of product more than money. And by the way, these debtors, they're they're just as much rascals as the steward. They were joining him in his plan of dishonesty. People do that. Verse 7, he went to another one and he said, How much do you owe my master? And he said, Oh, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, Take your bill. Write 80. Yeah, that's good. Write 80. Okay. Now, we've got two benefits here. Benefit number one, the debtors are getting a nice discount on their bill. And number two, the steward would be received in his need by the debtors. See, the debtors did, he did the debtors a favor. So he figures now the debtors owe him a favor. 
And when he's out of work, he's going to go to them and, I don't know, I guess they'll help him out somehow, some way. So by now, here it comes. This is where you got to be really sharp on this one. You cannot listen to this parable with your head in la-la land. No, you really have to pay attention. Because by sight, this looks like a pretty devious thing to do, doesn't it? I mean, it is. It's devious. He robbed his boss, and now he's going to all the debtors, and he's robbing his boss again by reducing their bills. Think about it. It's, it's almost like double dipping. He robbed his master two different ways. He did it personally, and then he did it with money that was owed to his master. Now, here it comes. Watch what Jesus says when the boss returns. Okay, here comes the master. Verse 8. What? Jesus said his master praised the unrighteous manager. Jesus said what? He said the master praised the unrighteous. You would expect the master to say, you dirty rat. You stole my money, and then you went to the debtors, and you stole more money, and you reduced. He didn't do that. He praised him. You know why? Because he acted shrewdly. He acted shrewdly. So his master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. Shrewdly means wisely. But wait, Jesus didn't commend his conduct. He's not saying what the guy did, that was a good thing. What he did commend was his cunning. He didn't commend his conduct, he commended his cunning. Not his behavior, but his handling of the problem. He acted according to the situation that he was in. He had a problem. And you know what he did? He figured out a way out of the problem. And Jesus commended that. And then Jesus explains, and he said, For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Now, what's the lesson here? Well, the sons of this age, those are the Gentiles. The non-believers, okay? They don't embrace Christ as Messiah, right? And Jesus is saying that they do more to prepare for the comfort of this life than believers do to prepare for the life to come. Think about that. People that don't know God prepare more for this life than people that know God prepare for the life to come. One man I like to read, William Barclay, he said, If only the Christian was as eager and ingenious in his attempt to attain goodness as the man of the world is in his attempt to attain money and comfort, oh, he'd be a much better man. It's like the people of the world have more zealousness for the things they want than the people of God have more zealousness for God. A more zeal for God. That's basically what's going on here. See, he said our Christianity will begin to be real and effective only when we spend as much time and effort on it 
as we do on our worldly activities. So Jesus said, what? Verse 9, he said, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness? What does that mean? Well, again, a shallow listener would either be repulsed by that or use it to sin. Oh, yeah, man, Jesus is saying, let's go out in the world and be like them. He is not saying that at all. When he says make friends with the wealth of unrighteousness, what is the wealth of unrighteousness? It's that which belongs to the unbeliever. It's not dirty money. It's not money that was ill-gained. It's money that was earned by non-believing people. That's all. The wealth of unrighteousness. People that have not yet been made righteous by the sacrifice of Christ. So they're unrighteous. And they earn a living and they make money. Jesus said, we need to make friends with them. You know that? Make friends with those, here it comes now, in the world by use of the common trades. You know, there are people in the world that have skills and abilities and talents, and we need to utilize them. For instance, plumbers, bankers, builders. You know, if these people are unrighteous in the fact that they haven't been born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ, but they're still good at what they do, Jesus says, yeah, I mean, we got to use them. You don't have to have a, use a, a Christian plumber all the time, Christian banker, Christian... Bill. No, utilize that which is available in the world. Doctors, if you go to a doctor, you just want the best doctor. You don't care about his politics. You care about his skill, his ability. Same thing with a lawyer. Even somebody that cuts your grass. You know, there are guys, they do a wonderful job landscaping. Then there are others, eh, wham, bam, thank you, man, it's over, and they're gone, and it doesn't look that good. So there are people in the world that have wonderful abilities, wonderful talents, and Jesus says you got to make friends with them. Doesn't mean go out for coffee with them, but have a relationship. Make sure that you utilize them. And there are so many others. Because there are people that we need in our lives, and we will do well to develop relationships with them. We will do well. It's okay. Isn't that part of the Great Commission? You know, when you when you reach out, I know that when I have people come to my house and they do work. I have little tiny booklets that I write, and I give them out to them. I say, here, if you get a chance, read this. And it's about the existence of God, or the, what it means to be born of God. or You know, it's very general, very light. It's about a 90-second read. And I, that's why I enjoy having non-believers come. And I say, here, check this out when you get a chance. And that's it. And you never know. They might sit in their truck and read it. And who knows how God will use that. Okay? So Jesus said in verse 10, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. 
And he who was unrighteous, uh-oh, and a very little thing, is unrighteous also in much. Think about that. What we do on a small scale will also be reproduced on a large scale. So Jesus said in verse 11, Therefore, you have, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? Again, what is unrighteous wealth? That which comes by the unregenerate. God expects us to be faithful with what doesn't belong to us so he can give us what does belong to us. If we're not faithful with somebody else's stuff, we're not going to get our own. That's what God is saying. So again, you who have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? Again, unrighteous wealth, that which belongs to unbelievers. I would say, if you are not faithful with what does not belong to you, why would anything else be given to you for your own? If you can't take care of somebody else's, you're not going to take care of your own. I don't care what you say. It doesn't matter what you say. You've already proven it, that you can't take care of anything. You can't take care of what somebody else has. You're not going to take care of your own. Now, watch Jesus agree with me. <laughs> Verse 12. Here's what he said. If you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Right? So, if you borrow somebody's car and don't take care of it, you're not going to take care of your car either. Because that's the kind of person you are. When you value the things of others, then you'll value your own. There are people that don't value anything, and then there are those that value everything. And the Lord is saying, here's the true test. Take care of what doesn't belong to you. And if you do, I'll give you what does belong to you. How about that? And then he addresses the true believer. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He can't serve God in wealth. So once again, yes, we, you know, we, you know what was that old saying? Wealth is a good servant, but a harsh master. Yeah, you don't want wealth to master you, but you want it to serve you. You know, we have wealth to, to, to get along. But we don't live for it. We don't serve it. We serve God. So we ask ourselves, hmm, who is my master? Who do I give my devotion to? My affection to? Is it my Lord? The one who gave himself for me and died for me? Bought me with his precious blood? Or is it the temporary things of the world? The things that one day... You know, the Bible says the world is just going to be discarded. It's going to be gone. Everything's gone. God's going to make a brand new world. All the trophies, 
all the Super Bowl trophies, all the World Series trophies, all the green jackets they got at golf, everything. It's all gone. All the Pulitzer Prizes, gone. It's all gone. No record of anything. But we'll have a new beginning. Oh, yeah. A new beginning with God. So we think about this parable. This is not a parable about how to get over. That cheating is okay. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying if you cheat and lie and steal and get ahead, I commend you for that. that is, that's why I said, can't be a shallow listener. You Got to go deep on this one. He's not talking about that. He's talking about being cunning and using the things of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We don't derive our strength from the world, but we can utilize the things that are in the world. Of course we do. We live in houses that materials come from the world. We drive cars that are created in the world. So he's saying, be a steward. Be a good steward of that. The shallow listener would think it's a lesson on using what resources are available for your own good. Hey, I can can lie and cheat and God says, man, that's okay. It's okay to rob the unregenerate. No, it's not. It's okay to deceive the non-Christian. No, it's not. It's not okay to rob or deceive anybody. But it is okay to be wise and to utilize the world's goods. It's okay. We need the world's goods. You know why? We live in the world. We're not so separate from the world that we have no dealings with the world. You know, we're not this isolated tribe somewhere, isolated from the whole planet. We're not the Amish who seem to, like, isolate themselves and keep to themselves, and that's another story. I don't know what's going on there. God bless them. But the point is, Jesus, I believe, is teaching we need the trades, we need the skills of those, even if they're far from God. And we would do well to be friends with some of them in time of our own need. You know, nothing like having a good friend that at 2 o'clock in the morning when your pipe breaks, you can call him up. <laughs> He'll come over and fix the pipe. Why? Because he's your friend. Because he knows you. You know, my plumber's a friend. Or my electrician's a friend. Or my doctor's a friend. You know, my dentist is a friend. You know, whatever. You know, people that will go the extra mile for you. Nothing wrong. They don't have to be Christian. But we do well to make friends with people in the world. And who knows, maybe through that, they would be drawn near to God. Who knows? I mean, weren't you drawn to God by a friend? Most of us were. Most people had a friend that witnessed to them, shared Christ, brought them to church. They heard the gospel. They said, oh, I like that. That makes sense. You know, some people kind of find God on their own. That's okay. But I think most people have someone that witnessed to them and brought them to God. So, you know, and we all started off as non-regenerate, lost. Oh, yeah, every one of us. 
We all started off lost. Somebody came along and we responded. That's the beauty. We responded. We said yes to Jesus. And we found hope. And we found forgiveness. And we found acceptance with God. And you know what happened, right? Everything changed. Oh, it changed, didn't it? Everything changed. No, the backache is still there and the feet still hurt. But our spiritual life came alive. We have something we never had before. We had a certainty. We had a certainty in eternity future. We had this understanding that God loves us and that God cares for us and, and we are important and we are valued by God, that we are made in the image of God. The only ones? Your dog is not, your cat is not, your parakeet is not, your spider is not. If you have a pet spider, I don't. I don't like spiders. Nothing personal, just don't like them. But we are made in God's image. That gives us great value. It really does. And that's what, see, we discover all these things when we come to Christ. And the reason we came is because somebody befriended us. And somebody told us we were, we were lost in the world. And somebody came along and told us, said, hey, you know what? I got good news for you. What good news? What good news is there? God loves you and Jesus died for you. Oh, that's good news. So what? Well, your sins can be forgiven. You can have eternal life in heaven. Oh, okay. I like that. Tell me more. And you grow. You find a church. And then you find yourself doing that for other people in the world as well. Oh, it's quite a thing. So that's the whole background to this parable that Jesus told. The whole background is make friends with people in the world. Do it. Make friends with them. Because you never know when you're going to need them. And I'll tell you what, if they're lost in the world, they don't know it, <laughs> they need you. Oh yeah. Because you know something. And you know something that can change their life. Thanks for coming along today. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Go to newhopecc.tv. Click on the media button. Click on New Hope Radio. Click on the radio icon. Hit subscribe. Boom, you're there. You can watch our programs on YouTube. They're all there. The podcast Hope Club going on as well. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.